Good evening, everybody. It is another fine Thursday night with your Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast, and it is a week full of action, blood and guts, some celebrity, pseudo-celebrity signings, influencer <laughs> signings, maybe we want to say, and who knows all what else is we're on the road to uh, Money in the Bank or Money in the Desert out in Vegas this weekend. So stay tuned, folks, for the next hour. Your Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast starts now. another fine thursday night another wild week of wrestling and i'm not sure where we're gonna go tonight but i feel like we actually have shows to talk about we don't have tons of backstage drama like we've had in yeah. recent weeks thank it's god be, i know it's, it's not gonna be about lawyers it's not gonna be about scandal it's actually gonna be about wrestling for one week on the big gold belt wrestling podcast hey folks it's will mahoney we got Silly Sellis up in the right-hand corner coming in tonight. We got Damian G rejoining the crew this week from down in Texas. And, of course, the giant crab, Jamal, down Hello. in the lower right. How's it going, gentlemen? It's doing That's good. It. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. So I think we're going to start out with our good friends at AEW, as it was definitely an AEW kind of week with two big shows back to back with Forbidden Door, their crossover show in New Japan happening uh, over the weekend. And then last night, the uh, cage match bloody drama of blood and guts happening on Dynamite. So we got two very different shows that were between those two, between the New Japan-centric action with the crossover show and then the over-the-top violence that they had on TNT last night. So I know between the four of us, we kind of all saw different things and didn't see specific things because as we discussed last week on the show, a lot of us were kind of cold on Forbidden Door going into it. And I know I didn't throw down 50 bucks watch Forbidden Door. And I think I think a lot of people were kind of in that boat. But from what I saw coming out of the weekend, it seems like it was a very well-received show for the people that were very invested in it. And I think that was the key for that show going into it. If you were sold on that show from the moment it was announced, you were all in and you were probably super served by what they did. If you were on the fence, I don't know if you were necessarily moved to suddenly hop on the train and be into it. But uh, Damien, you said you saw some of it at least. So right. some some thoughts from you on Forbidden Wars since you actually saw the show. So that that should that should provide some insight. So I, I, as a lot of people know, I'm not the huge uh, New Japan 
follower. Uh, maybe a couple of years ago, I was a little bit more inclined to follow them. Uh, so what I was, what I caught, and I came on during the Fatal Four Way for the uh, the Bootleg Intercontinental Championship. Uh, and I'll say this: Pac finally getting his title, which a lot of people when AEW started thought he would probably be the person that was thrust into the mid card early. And then he's been playing around with the Lucha Brothers for so long. It's you kind of forget that Pac actually was a championship caliber performer when he first left WWE or even when he was in WWE and watching him and Miro and Malachi and Clark Connors, who I had never heard of. And then I saw that four way just play itself out. And there was a couple of, you know, WWE centric tropes that I saw, you know, like oh, only one man fighting at a time, you know, even though it's a fatal four way. Uh, and, and Miro, I thought was going to take that. And the fact that they went with Pac, you know, was, was a pleasant surprise. It was a good match. And that's why I jumped in on, you know, and then I was just waiting. Like, I think you too, Will, we were waiting for who the mystery opponent of Zack Sabre Jr. was going to be. And then when, you know, the worst kept secret in wrestling, when it was Claudio, you know, I kind of was like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to see the rest of the show. You know what I mean? So there were moments like the Bucks against Sting Darby, you know, in general, just the stupid car flip back rake. I know a lot of people on Twitter liked it. You know, I know Jim Cornette probably like did 35 backflips because he hated it, but it was entertaining for what it was. You know, watching Sting still doing dives at 62 years old, like that man's AARP card hasn't come in yet apparently, so he's over here trying to keep up. The whole nipple twerking thing and when he basically forgot a spot he forgot the spot walked outside the ring said oh wait never mind turned around like an npc character and walked right <laughs> back into the camera to do the spot i thought i thought in and of itself was just hilarious um the bucks love my hate them they're entertaining the shtick might be corny they they might not be everyone's cup of tea but they are entertaining for a particular set of wrestling fans. Now, I'll tell you which one really disappointed me. And a lot of people gave it a high mark. Rosa versus Tony. I, you know, I tweeted, I have high hopes. My fingers are crossed. You know, you guys mentioned this before where Tony was the stretch to include her as a forbidden door participant because of her stardom connection. But I just felt the, the match was a B at best. And I don't normally throw around grades like that because I'm not Meltzer, but I guess maybe I was just so amped up to see two high caliber performers. And for me, just watching at home, totally detached from either competitor, it fell a little flat. Uh, maybe match placement on the card might have helped it. I don't know. But just something felt flat about it. Uh, I can't stand Will Ospreay. I don't really give a shit about his match with Orange Cassidy. Uh, you know, shit human being, whatever, man. Claudio versus Zach. Here's my question. I'm going to open up a question for you guys about the two the two wrestlers in general. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Zach Sabre Jr. outside yep. of the Cruiserweight Classic mm -hmm. from a few years ago. Yep. But did it underwhelm from what we thought it was going to be once we realized it was Claudio Castagnoli? Because I thought it was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't perfect. Maybe there was ring rust on Claudio. So I'm going to open up a quick question and then I'll finish off my thoughts about the card. Was it 
just average at best or you know am i missing something i think what's anyone saw it i think for them um and just knowing they're two different styles zach zach saber jr really matches with daniel brown excuse me brian danielson and i think that's what they were planning for now claudio is not type not that type of wrestler however he'll try to make do of being that dance partner in the ring and i think what zach wanted to do was have that legit technical wrestling match that he's known for to have that with brian danielson and i think when brian danielson got hurt and now they had to revamp it and he probably knew claudio who's going to wrestle it's like okay i'll do some things but it's not everything i wanted to do and they didn't get a chance to perform how they want to perform so i guess it was a little bit of let down in that way good to see claudio there but it wasn't what zach came in to do and not have that that match to put on for all matches like he would. So I think that's what a little bit, it, it, it kind of fell flat because it wasn't the way it's supposed to go. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is you have a dance partner and you prepare for this dance partner and you go out there and you put on a show and then your dance partner sprains his ankle. Yep. And now it's not that, that the person that you got to dance with isn't capable, but they're just not right. the partner that you, that you had. And that there is something about that that you that you lose a little bit now, now it's fair i didn't see the match i didn't watch pay-per-view um but i can understand how all of a sudden there's a sudden change and you have this very proficient very technical wrestler um that wants to put on a technical classic and you think like well who would be that guy claudio never came to my mind of the p- potential uh suitors for that match um i really thought we i was thinking along the lines of gresham I was thinking along the lines of somebody else from Japan. I was thinking of the, you know, uh, along the lines, of, you know, maybe there's another free agent that, you know, Josh Woods, I think I said last week, um, would have been somebody mm-hmm. that I kind of wanted to see. But you have uh, Claudio, who, you know, technically sound, definitely proficient, but he's also strong as an ox. So that's a, a power game that he brings that other technical guys may not bring, you know. So it, it, it is different. You know, you can't say that it's not different. And he, and it's not that he did the best he could. It's just that the match that we thought was going to happen can't happen because the people right. that need to be involved aren't there. And it is what it is. Okay. Yeah, but and... I, having not having not seen the match either, the the main mm-hmm. thing I kept hearing, I guess, kicked around after the fact, was that a lot of people kept saying that Claudio was still wrestling like Cesaro. That it almost seemed yes. like he still had the WWE style stuck on and that he just, I mean, he's been working that way for so long that he has not shooken off that WWE smell that WWE, not so much shackles, but just, you know, that WWE house style of how they want things presented. And maybe that's all it is. Just gonna, it's going to take some time for him to adjust to doing things in a different manner, which I mean, he was there a long time. I think we kind of forget that in 10 years or something like that. Yeah. Cesaro had yep. a long WWE run. It may not seem like it at times, but he had a, yeah, a good decade there. So I could easily see being like, okay, okay, this is how I do things. And this is like the, you know, the mode I've been in for so long that switching up out of that necessarily with also prime. I don't know if you ever wrestled Zack Sabre back in the day, but I don't off the top of my head. I can't think of a Claudio, Zack Sabre match previous to this. So it might also be the first time they've ever competed against each other. So that's all I think it would be. I'm, I'm not terribly, I wasn't concerned when I heard that it, you know, it wasn't like an all time, like technical, you know, masterpiece, which I think a lot of people were probably initially right. thinking, but 
I would just chalk it up to, hey, it's Cesaro's first match out of WWE. So it is what it is. Right. I, that's what I was thinking, too, because it just seemed like he was wrestling as Cesaro and not Claudio. And maybe there was a little bit of ring rust. Some people were saying that might have been the reason he was wearing pants as opposed to trunks. He wasn't in his phenomenal WWE shape. I don't really care about that. Whatever it is, what it is. Uh, and that's when I turned it off because I had no interest in the Fatal 4-Way, even though I like Okada. I didn't really care because when we saw Okada debut on Dynamite, it looked like he was only there so he didn't get fined. You know what I mean? So that was the only reason why Okada even bothered showing up. And the main event, we all knew Mox was going to win. So for me, there was no point in watching it. So I turned it off right after that. There we go. So Forbidden Door. And then, of course, from when we moved on to uh, last night to Wednesday with the big blood and guts cage match in Detroit to cap off Dynamite. And it was kind of weird because they like they had to shoehorn Forbidden Door. I mean, uh, blood and guts build into the Forbidden Door show. I heard it ended with a big brawl and all this to kind of segue back into, okay, we're done with this New Japan stuff. Now we got this big multi-person tag match that we got to run on free TV on Wednesday to get people to tune in for. So my biggest thing last night, having watched the blood and guts match, um, I was surprised they gave it the whole second hour. It felt like it got a lot more time than it necessarily needed from my perspective. It just felt like it went on a really long time. I think they could have easily done that match in a 35 minute to 40 minute window. Maybe even that would have been too darn long, but the full hour, it, it felt to me like there was a lot of it where it was just, okay, we're going to, we got a bunch of people laying around here and these two guys are going to go do stuff and we're going to focus on that. And, and I know that's kind of what the modern war games formula has become between the NXT version and now the second version of something similar in AEW. But it just felt to me, it felt like it dragged. There was a lot of good stuff in there and a lot of spectacle and a lot of, you know, we had the big stunt, big throw off the top of the cage and tons of blood. Of course it lived up to the moniker and how it brought in some deathmatch spots like the skewers and all that from a deathmatch wrestling that you don't necessarily see on a mainstream wrestling in the U S. So I think it delivered on the idea of a spectacle, but I think it could have been tightened up. That was my main thing. I think it just could have been tightened up and a good editor, I think could have made it a bit more intense, a bit more just snappy is what I'm thinking. Other thoughts, guys, someone jump in here. And and let me, before I speak on that, I want to go back to what you said earlier, Damon. I want to give you a credit about what you said about Pac. How you described it made me think about those classic ladder matches when NXT first came on USA with him with him and Bo Dallas when they was going for that NXT championship. We mm -hmm. haven't seen Pac in that type of mode of championship contender, yet it was on NXT level. We haven't seen that since he had that on on Sunday. So I definitely want to give you credit for that because I love that. That's the first thing I thought about as you described that. For you, Will, it was very funny. For your point, too, I was noticing, like, literally, they were dragging, and you saw them calling spots every time something that was about to happen. Like, you knew, like, okay, we're going to this corner. This is about to happen here. Somebody else is going here. This is about to happen in this spot. So it was very slow in those processes. And even when they went that picture-in-picture, picture, you could tell they knew it was a commercial break but didn't probably realize it was a picture-in-picture picture of how they kind of slowed down that pace. Um, when it comes to matches like that, what are very gimmicky, and I understand you want to put the blood and guts in it, you don't have to make it too obvious. Let it flow naturally. You know blood is going to be there. You know 
um, high impact moves are going to be there, but you don't have to always set it up where it's like, okay, let's get ready to this spot, spot. Okay, let's get to the next point, spot. Just let it flow naturally and tell the story if you're trying to do it. Um, but granted, when you try to do it for an hour like that and space it out, it will drag at certain points. I thought it was semi-entertaining. I was just hoping nobody died on that night because I hate <laughs> to see if anybody died on, on TNT. But uh, at the same time, I just it, it could have been better. Um, was it something to watch because nothing that was on TV? Yeah. But at the same time, um, which was the end point which got me, I don't think the end of the match happened the way it should have. And I thought that was very hilarious uh, seeing Eddie Kingston's face about what happened. And I think something, somebody bought something about how that ended. So it was just very interesting to see that as well. Uh, so the problem that I have with blood and guts um, as a pay-per-view is kind of the problem that I have whenever AEW tries to go beyond it, it, for those that know and have seen, you know, been to live death matches, been to, um, you know, the, that, that type of environment, you know what it really is. And that's kind of the, where it's just like, uh, I know this isn't for me because it can't be. Because if you really do a, an actual, you know, tournament of death, an ICW uh, or an IWA Mid-South, you know, mid-2000s, or mid to early 2000s death match, Warner's going to pull the plug immediately. That show won't last better than 915. So I understand that it can't be what I want it to be, but I can't sit there and go, this is fine. So when you have a, a pay-per-view, not a pay-per-view, I'm sorry, when you have a special event like Blood and Guts, and it just feels so damned safe. It's like a magician that's throwing the, the 17 swords and he's juggling everything and you don't know that the swords and you know that the swords are dulled because you can see it or you know that the gimmick is in and it just kind of really takes away your suspension of disbelief um so there's that the build-up to it and there really wasn't any is fine too because they were doing other things with new japan which took away from the AEW side um <clears throat> would i have booked this pay-per-view this special event Immediately after New Japan, probably not, because if they had waited until the middle of the month, they would have had two weeks to build it up because they kind of really forgot about it because of the New Japan stuff, which is what it is. And then there's the biggest the biggest thing. Now, my incessant hatred of John Moxley is notwithstanding. <laughs> um, Eddie Kingston's getting getting to that level as well. Mm. I don't understand why he's a thing. Now, he's a competent wrestler, and that's something I would never say about Moxley. But I don't understand what his gimmick is. I don't understand what his motivation is. He doesn't seem interested in winning anything, but he doesn't like losing anything. He's always seemed to be built, you know, on this, like, warpath of a vendetta, and it's just more New Yorkers loving to hear themselves talk. It, and I get it. I understand that. The gift of gab is something that is in the water that comes down from the Catskills and is pumped out through the taps of New York City. New Yorkers love, they get diarrhea of the mouth, and it's in the water. I get it. But, and even though he's from upstate, Yonkers, upstate, because again, New Yorkers, it is still kind of just like, what are you doing here? 
And and that's really annoying. And then, of course, I'm supposed to believe that he's working this match called Blood and Guts with, with uh, Claudio. And I'm supposed to buy into the fact that they had a feud in fucking Chikara. <laughs> Why do I care about that? The Chikara callbacks are pretty funny. That I mean, they are that pretty far. funny, and, and that's fine. If that weren't 12 to 15 years ago. And well, it's extremely... Like, like if, if you really niche exactly of, like, segment of the audience that must know that stuff is like very the hardest core of the heart and that's fine but every single time he goes out there and he just diatribes about whatever the hell he's almost turning into like the al bundy of wrestling mm. Ooh. Mm, that might be a good call there and and and, and to be really honest with you call. everybody else is kind of saying the same thing brian said well, you're you're one of the best I've ever seen that are never win a damn thing. Jericho said the same thing, and that was their feud. He's beefing with Cesaro uh, with Cesaro over this 15 year old thing about him Cesaro moving up and leaving him behind. Yeah, you scored four touchdowns in a single game 20 years ago. Okay, cool. But you did it. <laughs> but you and you did it. Can't take that away from you. What have you done for me lately? Not a goddamn thing other than talk about it. But oh, but he's this tough guy, and I'm supposed to buy into that and whatever. It's also wrestling. If you want to go bare knuckle boxing, talk to Dominic Guarini. Talk to you know, all of those guys. Talk to Schlack. I'm sure there's a backyard somewhere, a dusty backyard with barbed wire in somewhere in southern New Jersey, where you can go get yourself fucked up for. But here, right here and now, I don't understand what he's doing, and it's annoying because people are putting him on this pedestal. As if he's like the everyman, the the working man, and 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 he's not. I, I just don't see the effort. Like he's talking all of these things, and it's great. And I'm not seeing. And I understand what the end goal could be. Well, well, actually, I really don't understand what the end goal could be because he's not vying for a championship. I need to stack some wins. I need to do this, and we've seen other people do that. Wardlow did it. Britt Baker literally said, okay, I'm just going to go to dark and squash motherfuckers and come back and be a champion. We've seen champ. We've seen AEW specifically build title chases. I don't know where Eddie Kingston's there. So for him to be, you know, like, uh-oh, they don't like each other because of something that didn't happen before 10 years before AEW existed. And he's still mad about that. So that's a new feud. Why do I care about you? If you don't care about yourself. And that's that's the biggest. That's my anti. That's my anti Eddie Kingston rant. You know, rant. Uh, I won't. I won't bring it back up again. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that I, I just, I really don't get it. Um, and as far as blood and guts goes, uh, the one thing that I don't like about the way they do the the the, uh, the match, and they've done it twice in a row now, is that the first thirty ish, thirty five minutes happens in the ring. Somehow, some way, this locked cage gets opened. <laughs> I don't know. And then they spend the next 15 to 20 minutes of the match. Um, because the match is about 45 minutes long. Once you add in uh, the uh, ring announcements and the lower one of the cage of mm-hmm. the pomp of the circumstance. So it doesn't start. It didn't start at nine o'clock. It started about nine, 10 ish. And it ended be- well before 10. They padded for two minutes. So, okay, cool. But now that you have. You know, the first 30-ish minutes of blood and guts in the cage, and then somehow, some way, the cage opens, and then they go to the top of the cage, because why wouldn't you go anywhere else in the building? It's no DQ. It's false count anywhere, because they didn't pin him in the ring. He tapped him on top of the cage. 
Um, the first match, uh, Jericho said I quit on top of the cage, and then he was pushed off. So since it's false count anywhere, obviously, it's no DQ, why immediately go to the top? Why not go literally anywhere else in the world that you want? They're in Detroit. Throw his, pin his ass in the, in the Detroit River. Pin him in Canada. Uh, you know, it just seems that it's really convoluted, and, it, and it's almost like a story where if you like it, they have a recipe. They're just going through the motions, and I kind of want to see something different. Um, yes, I do like the two-ring setup, war games, blah, 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 five-on-five. Okay, I get it. But I really do wish they would have you know, switched it up a little bit more. Yes, I do believe this was – I don't think this was a better match, but it was well better paced. Um, I think a lot of guys got their, their, their time in. Uh, unfortunately, Santana definitely hurt his leg in, in some yeah. way, um, and that was unfortunate, you know. But then again, that happened, and I immediately think, whoa, well, Jericho's got to win this now. It's five on four. Well, Sammy gets tossed into oblivion, and he lands in the shadow realm, and, and now it's even, and, and they win. But the, the long and short of it is, is that, like, before I'm sorry, Jamal, real quick, just shout right. out to Sammy how he took that spot. I like how he tucked and then flipped over. I think that Tuck was a very rolled. Safe, <laughs> safe way to do that spot. Um, he did a giant and, swanton, and, essentially. Right, right, and he did it perfectly. So, yeah, he sorry. didn't over-rotate, and he, you know, he landed yeah. in the middle of the crash pad, which is not a thing that we should be talking about. <laughs> it's blood and guts, and you're giving him a 9-5 on the form when he falls into I the am. crash pad? I am. What is this? What are we actually talking about? I mean that that's that's kind of that's that's my issue. We're talking about blood and guts, and about how to do it safely. Oh, I'm I'm glad that nobody was you know hurt or died or whatever. It was like no, I want to believe that somebody could die. I want to believe that these people will be for irrevocably changed by this match. I'm not saying that they actually should, but I want to think that it's possible that they could. Not he had excellent form. Oh, and there's the dismount. He's off the cage. And, ooh, Flash. slight, slight hesitation on the landing. He didn't tuck in his neck when he hit the water bottle. I think the Russian judges are going to ping him on that one. And uh, give him points for blinking. Give him points for blinking. Uh, I, I like the blinking, but, we're, you know, but there's the style points. This is not the freestyle round. I think we're going to have to, we're going to, have to consult the judges on that. That's Okay, cool. so in the Twitch, the, Najir is saying TBS said no. So that's maybe cool. that's why. And also this is the question then. This is the question. Should it be a pay-per-view or uh, a, a late-night TNT special that airs after 10 o'clock? It's only one match. You can make it a one-hour show like they do Battle of the Belts. Just put it on late. And, and from 10 to 11, which is already a precedent set for AEW, uh, to have uh, a show on that late and just have it Saturday night, blood and guts, one show. I don't think it'd make any difference as far as like between that and how it's done on dynamite. I figure how it's, how it's being done on TBS is how it's going to be done on TBS, probably regardless of the hour. Now, if you switch it to pay-per-view, maybe they could get away with a little bit more, but I mean, even, even pay-per-view, you can only go so far that we, as we know from back in the day with UFC could only get away with so much on pay-per-view back in the day. Right. So well, the even, even pay-per-view, on pay-per-view there's, I don't know if, I don't know if people are paying for anything, two nights in a row, you know, like yeah. you had the thing on Sunday and then you want to yeah. turn around and plunk down another, what, $15 for this thing? Yeah, no, yeah. it'd have to be totally I mean, time. it would have to different be, time. exactly. And since they only really want to do four anyway and the New Japan made a fifth, I don't know if there's the uh, stomach, especially in this economy, I don't know if there's a, the stomach for another 
additional special event. Um, it, I mean, it, it feels like a loot box at this point. If you're yeah. saying that you know we're just going to give you this, um, I, I don't I don't know about that. But uh, they were able to get away with it on TV for what it's worth. Um, I do think the placement of commercials really didn't help. Um, they they've got to either have the last half hour be commercial free, sponsored by something, but uh, you know that because we know how it's going to go, we know it's going to end up on top of the cage. We know it's going to end up uh, the pinfall won't happen in the ring. Uh, the last half hour has got to be commercial free because those commercials were brutal when they placed them at the time that they placed them. Yeah, and you I know, think Sammy, that was part of the reason they had to stretch was because of the commercial breaks. So they're like, well, we got to pad. When we go to commercial, we're going to have to pad the match. So it's probably 10 minutes or so added to the match that right. was just for padding during those two commercial breaks in it. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, I mean, you know, for, for TV and for them, their ability to put it on, especially in this climate, it is kind of like, hmm, interesting. But I, I really do wish that I was able to suspend my disbelief of harm you know danger danger <laughs> so to so jamal's points about one eddie kingston uh who is he i'd say he's their tommy dreamer I, i'd say that is that's a good comparison they're, they're pattern, pattern, he's he's not trying to win titles he just wants to fight and or like finley just wants to fight he's angry he's got to get his aggression out that's who he was on the indies he's no different if that's the angle they want to shoehorn him as, as their version of Tommy Dreamer, cool. I mean, Tommy was from Yonkers, so it, it kind of fits. Uh, and to, to New Japan, I mean, not New Japan, the uh, Blood and Guts, I'm going to give these two dudes their flowers. Formerly known as 2.0, right? Whatever the hell, the hell their names are now, Cool Hand Luke and whatever the hell the other, <laughs> you know, Dutch Mantel Martel. Yeah. Those dudes bled for their sins from they what I sure saw on the did. highlights and the photos. So when Jamal says, I want someone to look like they may die, those two dudes took it upon themselves to say, fine, you can sacrifice us at the altar of blood and guts <laughs> and make it look cool, have the crimson mask flowing everywhere because Boxley thinks he's Terry Funk, and that's another point I really want to make down the road is he's trying too hard to be Terry Funk. Uh just watching them bleed all over the place and sacrifice. They are more over now in this brief amount of time with the JAS than they ever were going to be in WWE NXT. So kudos to those guys for finding their niche, being comedically obnoxious, getting their ass kicked and still making everybody look like a superstar while doing so. So kudos to those two dudes. And then Moxley, look, I know he loves Terry Funk. I know he loves Cactus Jack McFoley. But I feel, and you know, Jamal, notwithstanding his hatred for Moxley, I used to like Moxley when he was Dean Ambrose. Now he's just trying way too hard to be Funk, and it's, and it's not entertaining at all. At all. <laughs> Lots of different thoughts on blood and guts, folks. So, anything else before we go to break? As far as the blood and guts go, um, I think the big thing is, and I will agree that you know, two point um, they yeah, hell of a job that they're doing. They're really playing off Jericho very well, uh, mm-hmm. as their characters are arguably more obnoxious than him. So, you know, they are great henchmen, stooges to Jericho, being the. Uh, 
the biggest uh, you know one. Uh, with that said, everybody in the match, uh, really except Moxley and Kingston, looked they did well. I mean, Yuta got his moments in. Sammy did his big spot. Even hate Jake Hayer didn't completely suck, which is uncharacteristic for him. Um, so it, it definitely was a better, well put together match. But I do think that you know technically, I wish that it were produced better. Right. Um, and and that's you know, but that is what it is. I mean, obviously, if they were on pay per view, that'd be something different. They're on TV. Uh, there are compromises have to be made and. Um, that's kind of a thing. With that said, though, this is the second time in a, in a year they've done it. I hope that it does continue to be an annual thing, um, but I just really hope that it gets a lot, a little bit more of a spotlight than it does mm-hmm. instead of saying that this is another dynamite that just happens to be called Blood and Guts. I really do think, especially if they want to do these TNT specials like Battle of the Belts, they don't need four Battle of the Belts when one of them could be Blood and Guts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it could easily be one of those shows. That's right. for sure. Yep. All right. All I want to see in the future is find a way to do this stuff up. If you're going to have everyone magically get pulled to the roof, find a way to do those spots up there and not have everyone else take a nap in the ring at the same time. Cause yeah. everyone else just laying in the ring and being forgotten about while all that's going on. Oh, yeah. just kills me. The amount of time yeah. that takes up. Cause everyone else took a good 10 minute nap while all that was happening. So Anyway, thoughts for the future for Blood and Guts. Folks, we will be back right after this, our mid-show break, and we're going to talk about some social media influencers and some big WWE contracts right after this. Stay with us, folks. It's your Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. Our next partner has a product I use almost daily. AG1 from Athletic Greens is as close to a magic vitamin supplement as you can get and helps somebody like me who's constantly on the go. Maintain my optimal fitness and health levels as much as possible. So what's in this stuff you're going to wonder? 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right and help with all the digestive help you need. AG1 goes where I go. It goes to work with me, to the gym, or even when I'm covering events. Keeps me going when I need a boost because let me tell you, at the rate I go... I don't slow down for anybody, and this is the most helpful thing I can think of to help me get over that hump. Has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And for me, most importantly, supports better sleep and quality recovery because everybody who knows me knows I don't sleep a lot of hours because I'm always working, but it helps in the long run. Trust me on that one. Now for you all wondering, I know what you're thinking. How much does it cost? It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than fueling your cold brew habit or going to Starbucks to get the Mocha Wata Evachino. Now's the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. Take it from me. It's a lot easier. And to make it easier on you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Trust me, you'll thank me later. We are back, folks. Once again, your Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. And 
WWE today throwing down uh, some surprise contract announcements out of nowhere that I don't think this was on anyone's radar. There might be a contract involved. I definitely had heard some rumblings that uh, this guy might be had been coming around. But out of nowhere, Logan Paul getting the deal, getting the spotlight with, with Trips and Steph, getting the contract, got the point from Triple H and everything. And he's the, apparently he signed a deal. Now, to what extent he has signed a deal, we don't know. But he definitely appears to be uh, gunning for The Miz. For SummerSlam, which I think could be a heck of a little deal there. Miz finally get a babyface run out of this. But uh, Logan Paul is involved with WWE, and he is there. He is he is in some capacity in WWE. So I guess initial thoughts of uh, Logan Paul signing a deal. I know coming out of WrestleMania, we were all all pretty impressed with his his first showing in a ring at WrestleMania. That he kind of looked he looked good out there. I think we all agreed on. So now though he's out of contract, so it's kind of a different deal. So who wants to jump in here first? Uh, I'll go ahead and jump first. Um, I'll say this, and we kind of talked about this, you know, pre-show about is this one of the biggest signings when you think about the influencer stage of uh, people that do YouTube shows or any type of social media shows to try to use that as a platform to build up their celebrity. And now he's using that to transition to wrestling. And we made a comparison with The Miz by being a reality TV show on the real world of how he set that up to become a wrestler. And I think Logan Paul is going to have to go through the same thing. Is this guy legit and serious about the business? Now, granted, he gave us a great teaser at WrestleMania that surprised us all with the type of moves and uh, personality that he brought in the ring. But this is something that he has to do and carry over on the weekend and week out basis. And it's going to be have to wait and see. Now, am I excited because he's an influencer or Logan Paul signed? Not necessarily, because it can turn very bad for him if he shows that he's very stinky in the ring or if he cannot use the promo or talk in the promo. So what people have to understand is when these wrestlers come in, this is not just, oh, I can do this because it's easy. I can talk on the mic or I can do a couple of these fake moves. It's really a craft to do it. Not everybody can pick it up and do it. And I hope people respect and appreciate what this business does. Now, with that, will Logan Paul step up and do what he needs to do with it? We'll see. I'm just going to hold my judgment to see how he does long term. Even if he has a good SummerSlam stint, he still has to go through all these B-level pay-per-views before the Royal Rumble comes again to see if he's going to be an impact performer. Well, yeah, that and Survivor Series as well. But uh, I think the biggest thing about Logan Paul, they're not signing him because he's a world-class athlete. They're signing right. him because he has 75 billion you know, subscribers on a Club yep. Penguin. Yep. And, yep. and that's really what they want. Um, they want to know that whenever he does a thing, whenever he breathes, there's going to be some. There's going to be several million people that are watching him do it. And if he gets to be able to vlog or whatever backstage and bring those eyes to the WWE platform, that's exactly why they're doing it. It's no different than signing the you know uh, social media influencers that just happen to be uh, volleyball players or the the, the, the twist the, the twin sisters that were basketball players that they recently yeah. signed um you know it, they're they're tr they're getting the clout they can make the wrestler lord knows they have made a, a ton of wrestlers john cena was not a wrestler when he started he was just a big guy in the gym and they said you could be a wrestler uh logan paul is whatever he is as a boxer and whatever he is as an athlete but they can't they can't teach clout and for whatever reason he has it and they want it and and they're gonna you know have a 
they've come to an agreement to exchange his clout for their television. Because I don't also don't care how big you are online, it doesn't replace the mainstream nature of television. 100%. So uh, for him to be out there and to be on a global uh, brand, uh, something that's bigger than himself, unless he does something completely stupid again in Japan, um, yeah, uh, they absolutely are going to be able to, to make that what it is. And that is a, um, a mutually beneficial or destructive uh, you know, partnership. So good on both of them for making that work. So going off the Mania match, obviously, you know, pleasant surprise. You know, I watched it live. I was taken aback by how well he did the sports entertainment aspect of pro wrestling and him just being able to play the crowd the mm -hmm. way he did in one match where some people still can't do it after maybe 10, 15 years in the business. That was, in and of itself was impressive. But I think we brought it up in our group chat where Vince McMahon is always looking to go mainstream in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Especially with everything going on with his crazy ass lately. Why not see if the WWE can, can get their hooks in to an influencer? And I hate the fucking term. I hate the whole thingamajig because I'm the old man yelling at the clouds. But, yeah, exactly. But he is going to get people invested in the product that may not be WWE or wrestling fans. Think about what the Bellas did for Total, Div uh, Total Divas did for, you know, that audience of WWE fans that got brought in, reality television. Mm -hmm. So here's another avenue for potential new fans to be bought in. And to be fair, we said before about the point of he's going to have to do some B-level pay-per-views. Maybe that's not even what his contract is. Maybe he's a special attraction performer, Probably. social media correspondent, where he only works the big shows. He works- Pat McAfee deal. <laughs> thank, thank you. I would yeah. love to see them two go out in the ring now that you brought that up. Like, mm -hmm. who's, good, who's, you know, who's the bigger mouth in WWE? That just happens to wrestle. Uh, I think it's a good move all around for him because I think Jamal made the comment in our group chat, didn't his crypto crash? So he needs another, he needs another payday. So why not get a payday? And 2 Chains even said, you know, good for him for not turning down opportunities. You know, say what you want about the Paul family. They may be a-holes. They may know their audience. They may come across as douchebags, but they know how to make money from different channels. And I will, I will give them that much. And I will give Logan Paul all the credit in the world. If he shows up at SummerSlam and him and Miz have a war of words, the, the, the promos leading up to it, the entering portion is pretty decent. If you're paying him to maybe do what? Three shows a year, two shows a year, but he films content for you on tout or whatever, you know, media y'all want to use. Good. And it might yeah. bring in some new fans, you know? And I, I think for me, it's, it goes beyond him now. Now it's like, okay, so who's next to jump the line? You know, not even the NL, NILs. Who's the next celebrity to say, you know what? I want to wrestle. Because we've seen Shaq do it. We've seen Snoop Dogg try to do a frog splash. Bad Bunny comes to mind, you know? So who's to say now we're not going to see more doors open, forbidden or not, to non-wrestling entities or, or performers, you know? So good on everybody. Do I really care? Am I tuning in to see Logan Paul wrestle? No, I'd rather see Wee Man come in and body slam people again, to be quite honest. But <laughs> it, it's going to get butts in seats. Because remember back in the Carney days, 
butts and seats, right? right. Eyes. Now it's all about clicks, impressions, retweets, yeah. tags. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah, I mean, from to Peacock. Butts and <laughs> Seats has been replaced by SEO in a major, major way, which is why right. the move at SummerSlam is JoJo Siwa versus a return in <laughs> Bailey. Uh, make it happen, Vince. Oh, my gosh. Make it happen. <laughs> this man said JoJo Siwa. It's oh, the only man. one I know, so oh, I'm man. old, too. <laughs> I will just say to wrap up the Logan Paul talk that, yeah, I think it, it – um, we saw enough at WrestleMania from the three amigos and the frog splash he did and how he milked the crowd doing them that I'm absolutely intrigued. I saw enough to be like, okay, I want to see more. And for a celebrity first appearance in a ring, I think that's really all you can ask for. So I'm curious and, and putting him against the Miz. It's perfect. I mean, the, the Miz is your designated celebrity wrestler to, to to guide them through these kind of things so it i think it's a win all around unless like, unless he totally goes off the off the rails does something crazy i think logan paul and wwe it, it's gonna be perfectly fine it's a little it's an attraction that's all it is it's an attraction i know two chains want us to bring up the idea of the two signings say, of the of the two yeah, signings of the week between AEW picking up cesaro now claudio and wwe now picking up logan i mean i think they're very apples and oranges types of mm-hmm. signings where there's two completely different goals here in mind we've really touched on you know what wwe is trying to do here with all social media stuff and i don't know if aew is looking beyond this but i mean when i think of claudio i i think of a great utility guy or as yes. i heard him describe this week he he is the swift swiss army knife of wrestlers literally <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you can plug in wherever so I, I don't look as like Claudio is like, you know, a huge game changer or like, you know, oh, this is going to be like their guy. But there's plenty of ways to use him. And you can always use that kind of guy in your roster is my thoughts. Sell us. Um, I will say thoughts I, from you. Yeah, I want to say this. Adding on to that. Well, I feel that WWE needed Logan Paul. But Claudio needs AEW to get him back mm. where he wants to be in WWE. So if you want to take those two signings, that's how I see this. Because I feel like Claudio Cesaro is going to come back to WWE at some point. But Claudio needs AEW and a platform to show how he can be a, at least a mid to, mid-tier to to higher-tier uh, guy, even if he's not your top guy. So you can have him be a contender for a legit world championship. But he needs to show that in AEW in order to get back to WWE. I really think it depends on uh, where – Claudio goes in AEW. I mean, they've inserted him immediately into a high-profile situation, but they've literally done that with everybody that they've brought in uh, recently. They insert him into a high-profile situation. They get the big pop that that you need. That lasts maybe a month, maybe six weeks. And then, you know, now it's like, oh, shit, they're in in Orlando for dark? Okay. Or in a pre-show for for Forbidden Door. So it's not that, you know, Claudio can't work, and it's not that, you know, my biggest fear now when people come into AEW is that you start out like Ruby Soho and then you end up like Ruby Soho. And <laughs> Ooh. She made uh, well, there you go. That that was her uh, entry into blood and guts. But that's my point, though. Um, and then and she's not the only one that's that's kind of uh, the stars kind of burn bright, but not very long. So I do believe that Claudio can sustain. But I also believe that if he doesn't have a six-month-long plan, you know, that will carry him uh, through the next 
couple pay-per-view cycles, then it's going to be very interesting. And then, of course, uh, the, the field is only going to get more crowded when Brian comes back. Adam Page has got to come back at some point. God only knows what happened to MJF, but assuming that he come back, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. And then Kenny's going to come back, uh, you know, at some point. Um, and then whoever else is going to be a free agent, you know, grasping at uh, a quick payday with AEW. You know, so uh, it, they're already stacked uh, at, to the gills, and they're going to start to cram in more people. We'll see how well that works out. But as for right now, I don't mind Claudio in, in AEW. Uh, he's definitely paying dividends up front. But as far as a long-term investment goes, um, you know, we'll, we'll know in a month. We'll know in a month before we start asking the questions, where do we go from here? Um, so hopefully uh, if he winds up, you know, versus Pac for the uh, Transatlantic Championship. Um, you know, there's definitely an upside to him, and he can go any direction that he wants. But um, I'm really excited for him to see what he's going to be able to do uh, outside of the WWE system. And I can say the same thing about all of them. Uh, but more importantly, once the honeymoon period is over, then the real work begins. So I'm going to borrow a quick NBA term or NBA free agency. I'm going to use Celis' favorite team, the Phoenix Suns. Why? And I'm going to go way back to when we were younger and we watched the NBA uh, before it became 3 and D. So, Celis, do you remember Dan Marley? Absolutely. Thunder Dan. Thunder Dan. He wasn't the best when when Chuck came. He wasn't even second best because they had KJ. They even briefly had Danny Manning yep. at some point. Yep. Dan Marley is Claudio Castagnoli. You good. can put him anywhere on this team known as AEW. He could be your your curtain jerker. He'll start he'll start the show, get the crowd popping on some swings. You know, the music is kind of generic. Well, that's another story. But his in-ring work will pop that kind of audience. Or you could slot, slot him into a tag team and have him go against, like, whomever, the Lucha Brothers or who, or the Bucks or what have you. You know, the, the Eddie Kingston frenemies angle they could use. You know, so he is there, like you said, like we said before, there's Swiss Army Knife. But if I'm going to really, like, look at him as a free agent signing, where does he fit in? He's, like, the third or fourth option that you could slide in anywhere. Yep. And it still be productive. He can get you 20 a night if you only ask him to do it four to five times a year. Yep. But he's comfortable giving you 15 and five. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, fair great enough. One. Great one. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm on a KD watch for the next 48 hours. Stop, Stop it. it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. All right, it's that time of the night where we take a focus at the indies and hear what the hottest indie shows are coming around. So, Giant Crab Jamal, let's see that indie spotlight for this week. Yep. So the big thing uh, is this weekend out there in the Pittsburgh area. If you're going to be in Pittsburgh, you really need to be at Enjoy Wrestling. It's at Mr. Small's Theater in Millvale, Pennsylvania, which is like, you know, 10 miles up the road from downtown Pittsburgh. Uh, just head to the North Shore and up 28. You can't miss it, but... Uh, it's the Enjoy Cup, and it's a tag team edition. So I am pretty excited about the tag matches that they have, and um, that, that's, that's fine. That's all well and good. You stay, go for the tag team wrestling. But uh, the Three Rivers, Three Ray Dance for the Enjoy Wrestling Championship, MV Young versus Trisha Dora versus Lee Moriarty. That's Ooh. pretty damn zesty to me. So I am very excited about that. 
Uh, I unfortunately will not be in Pittsburgh this weekend because I'll be in Canada. But damn it, if I had known earlier, that would be that would be worth worth a trip up the Allegheny for. Uh, it's this Saturday at 7 p.m. Mr. Small's Theater in Pittsburgh. That is 400 Lincoln Avenue in Millvale, Pennsylvania. And if you need to know everything else, enjoy-wrestling.com. Or there's a, a, a nice little link tree on their Twitter, but it's uh, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash enjoy wrestling. It has all their social media, including tickets on Ticketmaster to where you can get tickets for the Enjoy Cup Tag Team Edition this weekend, this Saturday in Pittsburgh, just outside of Pittsburgh, 7 p.m. Enjoy wrestling. Uh, Veda Scott on commentary, which is always a good look. Uh, if you're not going to be there uh, and you're going to watch it, uh, you know, online this weekend. But yes, um, very excited about the three way and, of course, some good tag team wrestling from Pittsburgh and enjoy wrestling. There we go. And of course, this weekend out in Vegas. There's also money in the bank with the yep. briefcases on the line. One of the bigger WWE shows of the year, not quite going to be a stadium sized event as we originally thought, but it's still going to be pretty big. It's money in the bank. It's always a big deal. So a quick money in the bank preview. And of course, for me, I would say money in the bank. It's all about the briefcases. So we have the women's briefcase. We got the men's briefcase. We got the two matches and it always comes down to who should get the briefcases so i think we could go around the table and kind of weigh in on this so looking at the women first on the women's side the, the field for the women is made up of lacey evans alexa bliss Liv morgan raquel rodriguez oscar shotzi and becky lynch are our field for the women so i think let's, let's tackle the women first I wanted it last year, and I got to go back to it again this year. Damn it. I want Liv Morgan to get the briefcase. <laughs> I want Liv Morgan to get the briefcase. As far as a baby face goes, that's who I want. I wouldn't be surprised to see Becky get it. Please, God, do not give it to Raquel Rodriguez. I do not need that. But I am 100% Liv Morgan. Give her her moment. Live in the bank this weekend in Vegas. Uh, Damien, get in here. You know, I'm not as big on on Liv as you are, Will. Uh, I never have been. She's one of the most improved members of the roster, but I don't. I've never looked at her as somebody like, oh yeah, give her the briefcase. Uh, here's my dark horse, Shotzi, mm. only because, only because. Remember when she was supposed to get a title shot with? Um, uh, Nixon Newell and they were a tag team and all of a sudden right. now, you yeah. know, they just broke the team up and then she was feuding with Sasha and then that just ended out of nowhere after Survivor Series. I feel as if Shotzi, if you want to make a new star, a new star, because look, Lacey, eh, Alexa, been there, done that. Liv, like you said, Will, okay, no on Raquel. Asuka doesn't need it. Becky still needs to bottom out like Corbin before she starts the ascent. So I'm hoping it's Shotzi only because it'd be something fresh. It'd be something different. And just seeing what she would do with the briefcase, probably redesign and make her like horror themed or something like that would be intriguing for them to sell horror themed money in the bank merchandise for, you know, just random people. Uh, and then I'll say, if it's not her, I could say, it'd be, see it being Lacey Evans. You know, 4th of July, America, oh, you know, 
Yeah, they would do it. America's they would do it. Now, I can see it. They would do it. They would do it. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say Liv Morgan. Um, not because she's the most deserving, but I re- what I remembered that this is money in the bank. This isn't the actual title. Right. And people, though it doesn't happen often, people have uh, had the briefcase and failed to cash it in or had it stolen or whatever they do. But I think for that moment, whether it ends up in a title uh, you know, victory or not, uh, I think that she's definitely put in the work to be in the, in, in the position to deserve that moment. And if not now, then when? Because I don't, after all, all of the work that she's done to get to this point, where, what more does she need to do to break through that glass ceiling and win a major opportunity like this, even though it may not, it's not a guarantee for a, uh, an actual championship. So does that mean that, you know, we get Liv versus um, uh, Bel Air down the road? You know, does, does we get a cash in down the road? You know, there's a lot of different things that can happen. And I think there's the matchups that interest them. Uh, you know, Becky doesn't need it. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, not a fan. Raquel Rodriguez, don't know who you are. Um, Asuka doesn't need it. Lacey Evans, no. Um, Bliss, eh, no. So just because if this is the perfect storm for her. Uh, it's the right crowd. It's the right opportunity. Uh, it's the right time for, for Liv Morgan. And if she doesn't get it, Liv Morgan is all elite. <laughs> Two for Liv in the bank. So I'll say this. Of course, Money in the Bank is my favorite pay-per-view of the year, um, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm happy I'm not going because I only want to go see Cody there, but of course he's not going to be there. Um, going to the Liv pick, Liv to me is like what Cody was when Cody was in that transition phase. Like, did he deserve to get that run or get that briefcase? And the thought, the year you thought he was going to get it, Sandow, Sandow, uh, Damian Sandow got it. And the year you thought he was going to get after that, it just didn't happen. And I think the same thing is going to happen to Liv. Liv, I don't think it's going to get it, even though she deserves it. They need to give her that chance. I think, like Jamal said, you might see her being all elite and then needing that to come back again. Um, Lacey Evans, I, I want to say that she could win it. And if she does win it, um, it's going to be a situation where she starts as a face, but it's going to flip her back to the hillside. Because I think before she got injured, her as a heel never got a chance to get that money or that prize belt situation uh, and I think she's a very uh, good heel compared to what she is as a face. Um, that Shotzi is is definitely interesting to me because even with that Halloween theme with uh, maybe Hocus Pocus coming out as a as a part two this September, oh, you can good. use that as a Hocus Pocus thing with Shotzi if you want to put some creed to Disney Plus. This is going to come on that streaming platform. But here's my pick for the women. I think Bailey does a surprise return, and I think Bailey will be the one that steals the briefcase and is your Money in the Bank winner. That's a hell of a twist. Take somebody out that. before. Yep, yep. Take somebody out before the match and yep. maybe Shotzi. And then you, you take and, her spot and get in. And that get would it. be, that would be damn interesting. That would be, I, I like the Shotzi idea. I'm still hanging by live. I would not be upset if the Bailey idea happens. So definitely intriguing. I'm way more into the women's field than I am the men's. So we'll quickly run down the men's here. There is one spot still to be determined tomorrow night on SmackDown. But on the men's side, we have Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Omos, Sami Zayn, and Riddle, along with the one spot to be determined. Uh, This one, I think, is a bit more murky. Drew McIntyre don't need it because he's already got his match coming up in uh, September. 
when they have the mm-hmm. uh, pay-per-view overseas. Clash of the Castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Clash of the Castle. So Drew's already figured in. Seth Rollins would not shock me. I could easily see them running back, him being over the top of the briefcase again. Can't see it being Sheamus. I can't see it being Omos his first time in there. I really like the idea of Sami Zayn possibly pulling it off and having it as that he's the buddies of the of Roman Reigns and the Usos. Yeah, and just like you know, I, I say, I saved the briefcase so they can't c- cash in on the tribal chief. But then something happens in the next year, and he flips babyface, and then you get Sami Zayn as like a babyface go cashing in on Roman Reigns down the road. I think that would be awesome. I don't know if they'll do it. Riddle is the only other guy left, and I think it's also very likely Riddle can get it. I, I, I for me, it's between Riddle, Sami Zayn, and Seth Rollins. Sami Zayn is my of the. I think it would be the most fun pick right. of the options there uh, the most likely uh if they want to send folks home happy it'll be riddle if they're just looking to do drama it'll be uh seth rollins but Sami Zayn is the dark horse that's my pick <laughs> uh yeah without knowing who the mystery person is uh picking from the people that we got uh just because it's the most out there stretch uh i want almost to uh to win convincingly i want him to like not even need the ladder i just want him to jump up and grab it um, you know, and, and snatch and, it out of the air. Yeah, just snatch it out of the air. Just like <laughs> jump from like one of the, just like a springboard, and just grab the damn thing <laughs> out of the air, um, and come down with it. And and because they broke all the ladders. Um, as far as you know, McIntyre, we know why that's a no. Sheamus is a no. Um, Sami Zayn would be interesting, but I don't see a heel versus heel um, a championship match. Uh, Riddle, I don't care, never have. And Rollins is probably the most interesting character to win. But then again, there is this mystery person. Uh, I think the mystery person, regardless of who it is, uh, could come in and sneak in at the last moment. Um, I really don't know who's available to be that mystery person. Like, could it be Lesnar? Could it be um, Goldberg? Could it be somebody? Could it be Logan Paul? I don't know. But um, it is because it's money in the bank. It's a, it's it's a sure. Th- it's not a sure thing, but it's a pretty damn confident guess that this person will go on to face the champion at some point or screw over the champion at some point. So um, it, it, it could be Sami Zayn. I would like to be almost, but it would probably be the mystery person because why not? I'm, I'm going to say this. Um, I think just keep it simple, and I'm a future book it. This was supposed to be Cody's Money in the Bank briefcase. It was supposed to be. Now I think it's going to shift to Seth Rollins, and I think Seth Rollins will win. He'll hold and do what he did the last time he cashed in, wait to WrestleMania, where you have Cody win the Royal Rumble. He'll come back during that time. Cody versus Roman. Cody upsets Roman. And then Seth upsets and cashes on Cody at WrestleMania as that four-year cycle of getting back to that storyline. So I think Seth just holds it, and he'll just do his little gimmick and character moves until WrestleMania where he'll cash it in against Cody. I mean, you basically laid out long-term booking at its best, Salas. So... That would be the logical route. Uh, I actually do like Will's idea of of Sami Zayn, uh, where he where he is betroving the briefcase to the bloodline, you know, <laughs> just to say like, I promise I'm not going to cash this in. But then let's say Drew beats Roman at Cas- uh, Clash at the Castle, and then Drew's exhausted, and Sami goes, "Well, here you go, ultimate opportunist wins wins the title by accident," but. I, I want to say I want to go with Seth just because he's so, and I said this on Twitter the other day, he's just walking audacity at this point. 
he his character arc has never been this high. Yes. Even when he was WWE champion, he has never been this popular in all facets in terms of just being an asshole. And I love it. And then you know what? Give him the give him the briefcase, give him the belt, give him stupid suits. I, I hated it at first. I'm it. all in on Seth Rollins the asshole, the professional irritant. Just just have fun. Give it to him, have fun. So I go with Seth. But I do want the dark horse to be Sami Zayn. There we go. We'll find out Saturday. And folks, our guy, Two Chains, he is not here tonight because he is in Vegas and he will be uh, doing some press interviews tomorrow.